I am very excited and delighted to tell you that your chronic illness ally is once again enrolling. If you're new around here, your chronic illness ally is the supportive home, the program, the community and the coaching space for you to learn how to reframe the role that your chronic illness plays in your life. It guides you off of that conveyor belt of constantly trying to fix and heal your chronic illness and teaches you how to tap into the wisdom of your body that's being communicated via your chronic illness so that you can channel it, channel that wisdom, channel that intelligence into living the big, beautiful life you dream about. If you enjoy this podcast, you will certainly love your chronic illness ally. There is a link to it in the show notes, but let me tell you, the funnest way to learn more about it is to do my quiz. And once you've done that, pop your email in at the end to learn more. And then sit back as I help you explore your unique support style, which will help you make an informed choice about whether your chronic illness ally is a hell yes fit for you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the Reframing Chronic Illness podcast, the place to listen to, think about and question the common narrative that surrounds what life with a chronic illness should, quote unquote, look like according to the status quo and mainstream society. Moving away from the fix, reject, fight, resist narrative, you'll find conversations about how chronic illness can be your guide, ally and superpower. It's my belief that chronic illness serves a purpose. No, not the inexplicable thorn in our sides we've been conditioned to see chronic illness as. (laughs) This podcast and my work as a coach is all about helping you explore that purpose and opening yourself up to the idea that your chronic illness can lead you towards a more joyful, peaceful, healing and fulfilled life. I'm Alana Holloway, chronic illness coach, and today's episode with the brilliant Leah Sean Davis weaves its way through safety as the foundation of healing and growth and how we can find that safety within ourselves. But but ultimately, I'm interested in people, yeah, as, as you reminded me of there, becoming their whole selves, becoming, just having that self-acceptance. Can they mm. be with themselves even when they feel like a piece of shit <laughs> or even when they think, oh, my God, I've messed up, I've done stuff wrong? Are they able to just not leave themselves are they be able are they able to stay with themselves and not abandon themselves and um and i think that if we can really get to know ourselves and really trust ourselves and dare i say even like ourselves a little bit <laughs> you know, it's hard but I, I do think everything else comes from that everything starts to make more sense If we considered that before approaching any kind of healing practice or regime, that we first needed to feel deeply safe within our bodies, how do you think that would change the landscape of the healing, wellness and self-development spaces? Would the focus change? Would all the quick fixes and magic cures 
no longer be a thing, even more so than they aren't now, would the common belief that chronic illness equals broken and needs fixing be thrown out completely? I am obviously already campaigning for that to happen. And what else would that foundational need for safety lead to? We discuss all, or at least most of that, in this episode. Leah is an accredited somatic life coach. She admits herself that she prefers dogs to humans and lives with her two favourite creatures, Rich, her human partner, and their chocolate Labrador Quincy in Cardiff. Leah's work is about creating experiences that bring people's minds, hearts and bodies into the here and now so that they can enjoy a full-bodied life. She likes to work with quietly brave folk who have been incredibly resilient and she champions that now is their time to shine. Now that I'm emerging from my winter hibernation, I've got a few new things to share with you. As well as one-to-one coaching and a new freebie, I'll be launching a new program, Your Chronic Illness Ally, soon. You can head over to my website, alanaholloway.com, to add yourself to the interest list and read more about it, or you can click the link in the show notes. Just a quick heads up that there is a little bit of light swearing and something which sounds a little like a whale. I'm not too sure what it is, but just let's go with whale. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk. Um, I've been wanting to get you on for a while, having seen so much of the content you're putting out at the moment and things just hitting hitting a note with me, hitting a chord, I think that's the actual saying, um, with me. So I can't wait to get talking to you. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's really exciting, really chuffed to be here. It's lovely to be asked, yeah, to be on Aww. the other side. <laughs> yeah, because you obviously record your po- your podcast, um, you know, as the interviewee. Interview, yeah. uh, oh my God, my words today, what's going on? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. as the host, yeah, definitely. This is like really nice to just be asked questions for a change. <laughs> Good. Um, so... Leah, as a coach, you have a wonderful way of flipping things on their head and reframing a lot of the things that um, perhaps can be, you know, perceived or talked about in, I, I don't love to use the words kind of positive and negative way, but in, you know, a more negative way. Um, where did that come from? Where did that kind of flair come from yeah it's um it's interesting isn't it because I think I can remember once somebody telling me that you're good at talking about the really tough heavy stuff in a Mm -hmm. light-hearted way and um and I think if I go back to I don't know perhaps in my 20s there was probably a little bit of toxic positivity in it back then Mm you'd say that I um yeah, I would perhaps try and brush over the the dark things or the tough things that had happened in my life yeah. and just try to make the best of everything. And, you know, I, I sort of became this identity of being the positive person. People would always say, oh, you know, how are you always so positive? And, you know, mm-hmm. underneath that, I think there was a lot of a lot of sadness and a lot of anxiety. And I guess it was my way of coping was about, you know, pushing through and getting on and seeing the best in things. And then I think that, I guess, through my career, I worked with, um, I worked with people who had addictions, so I worked with people who had drug and alcohol problems. Mm -hmm. And then I worked for about 10 years with children who lived in in care, in residential care as well. Wow. And and sort of humour was such a big part of that because, you you can imagine when you're working in really tragic circumstances and people have got really tough stuff going on, humour would always be like the the way of connecting with people or sort of um yeah just just lightening the mood in a way and I think that you know the people who do this job are pretty good at knowing when it's not appropriate to to be humorous and make jokes and stuff but Mm -hmm. I just think that it, it it felt like god you know everyone is struggling in some way we're all um 
yeah, we're all trying to deal with stuff and we all, it's like this unspoken words, isn't it? We all know that there's something dark in everyone's life. There's something going on. Right. And so if we can perhaps lighten that and normalise it a little bit more, then, then, yeah, I think it's just a brilliant way to connect. It just shares that common humanity, doesn't it? Look, we know this is really, really shit. And at the same time, you know, we're here. We've we've got things that are that are good. You know, there's always something to be joyful or grateful about, even in the darkest times. And so I think I guess it's come from that, and it, it, yeah, it's come from a place of pain, really. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess I share in in my introduction, in my bio, and in all my places on my website. You know, that I've known a lot of grief and sadness. I lost my brother and sister. Um, to suicide and, and alcohol problems mm-hmm. about seven years ago. And I think that, you know, once you've experienced really difficult stuff, it almost, it teaches you to to recognise the, the simplest, most mundane things as being actually, like, amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, when they, there's really tough stuff happening, and often the people that I meet that I think that have had the most you know, tragic things happen or really, you know, suffered with, with difficult things are often the most, like, buoyant or they <laughs> tend to sort of have this, like, yeah, this, like, resilience about them that says, well, I mean, we used to say it in the children's home, if a child hadn't gone missing that day, we'd be like, oh, this is a good day. Everyone's here. Yeah. Nobody died. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, oh, like, I know. <laughs> it is, you know, and I know it's like a dark humour, but it is, honestly, I think sometimes we... You know, we get so caught up in that everything is really, really serious. But actually, you know, when it comes down to it, most things aren't that serious. You know, we know the stuff is really, really serious. But a lot of the time, I think, you know, we get serious about things that really don't need to be. (laughs) Right, right. I totally agree with that. And I am interested in um, what you said about, you know, when you were younger, being identified like positive person no matter what and and how that there was an element of toxic positivity in that and how you kind of then reclaimed your identity as a person and not I'm asking this because I can really relate to that and still wanting to be a positive person but knowing that you didn't have to be and I love what you said about normalizing the the shit stuff Mm. um which adds an element of joy to it Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, I think it's, you know, that joy and pain are almost like two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other, can you? can't have the light without the dark. Yeah. And I think perhaps, you know, the reason that like, I, I struggled with that toxic positivity in my 20s was because I really tried to suppress the negative stuff, as you said, and the, you know, the dark stuff, and yeah. tried to be positive. But actually, it made me really, really anxious, you know. I mean, I was... Mm-hmm. I had panic attacks, so I was really anxious. So only by allowing myself to go into the dark and acknowledging it and saying, yeah, actually, this is really tough, did it allow me then to experience the joy? So it's, it's almost like it's ironic, really, but they are two sides, I think, of the same coin. I, yeah, they are. And I'm kind of likening it at the moment to, I'm really into seasons now, whether that be, um, you know, the outdoor kind of seasonal seasons, whether it be my cycle and something I'm kind of getting my head around at the moment is actually chronic illness being seasonal and cyclical. And I used to believe that like it was just a series of peaks and troughs throughout life. And it was like this linear thing. And you know, I could never see an end to it. And that was really difficult to um, come to terms with. But actually, you know, as I've kind of developed in my thinking, seeing it as a cycle, seeing it as kind of winter and summer, um, light and dark, you know, it's, and not being able to, you know, it's hard to say there will always be the dark and to kind of come to terms with there will always be the dark. But actually, can we look for the beauty within the dark and the comfort and the things that actually are there that we love and that teach us things um and actually is the harder part the joy and I think that's something that you have touched on um you know is the harder part the joy mm, yeah yeah I think um 
I think sometimes we can fear joy more than our pain. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're talking about something like a chronic illness, you know, if you've been living with pain, whether it's physical or emotional pain for a long, long time, it's kind of like better the devil. You know, isn't it? You know that. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm used to this. It's same old, same old. I'm familiar with this. And I guess it becomes like a baseline. It's like your set point almost, isn't it? Exactly. Well, I'm used to living in this, um, you know, in this state. And um, and so it can be hard sometimes to allow ourselves to feel those, I guess, more elevated emotions, joy, excitement, pleasure, you know, fun, being playful. Because, you know, if our, if our bodies, our systems are just used to, you know, being in one place and being mm-hmm. in that state and, and obviously, we've got like a negativity bias anyway as people and we were wired to look for what's wrong or the threat <laughs> dangers you know we, we're just wired for that because that's our survival but then actually yeah we almost need to do a little bit of training you know on our joint muscle like it's almost like it is like a weaker muscle isn't it we have to right. move attention and be more intentional to actually look for the the joys and and i know though know, it's been so well used about gratitude and practicing gratitude and and that but we do almost have to wire ourselves to look for not even like things that are amazing but just what's not wrong so you know like in your body if you've got pain is trying to think are there areas where there isn't pain or the areas that are comfortable or just neutral almost so so i definitely yeah and i i can relate to that of you know sort of dampening down our joy you know sometimes it's that fear isn't it like oh if i if i'm having a good day or things are going well yes oh don't get too excited because something's gonna mess it up something's gonna go wrong and you know we have that sort of yeah we we dampen down our joy don't we and i think yeah we need to need to train ourselves a little bit more in looking for the good and and or just taking in the good not even looking for it because it's there isn't it like it is there yeah 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 and how can we kind of bring that into our lives and I something that I always feel actually quite sad about is when people you know people say all the time I won't let myself get too excited yet just in case it doesn't work out and I'm like this is excitement right here and you're like passing it by like you don't have to wait to be excited like until something's confirmed you can just enjoy this excitement now and if it turns out that it doesn't work out that's the dark you know and and allowing these two things to exist together yeah 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 absolutely like we we do don't we we postpone postpone our happiness postpone our joy we wait even in the smallest ways of you know working hard all week wait until the weekend until we can have fun um you know and people postpone their whole lives don't they people stay in jobs where they're miserable and they wait until retirement until they can do all the things (laughs) that they want to do and and as you say you know it's peppering in those those moments of joy and they don't have to be big things they can be just enjoying the simple stuff and i think i'm speaking to a lot of people you know since the pandemic and being in lockdown last year we were kind of forced to look at the simple things weren't we we were just sitting in our gardens if you're lucky enough to have a garden or just enjoying you know those small pleasures and you know cooking food um yeah going for a walk just we couldn't do the big stuff no but what that's how what love what is lovely about that is that it's kind of trained us to look at that small stuff and like you know I wake up in the morning and I've got a um like a shelf of where I've got plants and just nice things and to like see that view before my curtains are opened you know in the morning is so lovely and I kind of just sit there and stare you lie there and stare at it for a bit and it's like I always love the meditations that kind of ask you to take in things that are in your surroundings that you don't usually look at and mm. and to see that and it reminds me of something you do which is your fresh air Fridays and mm. so much of that comes across as being able to enjoy the normal yeah absolutely yeah I think you know the example you gave of looking at your plants before you can get out of bed is that we're we're directing our attention aren't we because if we think that we our attention is is often and well you know wired to take in the what's wrong yeah. we have to be intentional about looking for the good or looking for the ordinary even and um yeah practice I love doing is tuning into the environment through the senses because it's 
you know, we're orienting ourselves. And, you know, it's a really quick practice, just taking in your senses, you know, noticing the room that you're in that you're probably mm. really, really familiar with. You see it all the time, but do you really see it? You know, do you really, um, yeah, take in what's around you? And it's actually, you know, on a biological level, it's very regulating to our nervous system because if we've got illness or pain, then, you know, our nervous system is always in that sort of hypervigilant state, you know, it's... it's you know, it's stuck there almost. And so when we just take in that plant on our desk or we hear the birds, we're, we're sending cues of safety to our nervous system. Mm. So our nervous system is getting that information that otherwise we're just blinkered to or blocking out. We're using our environment as a resource, you know, to, to soothe our nervous system and to say, everything's okay, actually, you know, in the here and now, we're safe, that there's nothing to be threatened by, you know, there's nothing to feel um yeah threatened by so so even though it sounds really simple and easy and it is it's actually really powerful you know to our to us on a on a biological level yeah absolutely and that kind of brings me on to something that you do and and incorporate into your work or is your work is somatic coaching um and for our listeners i'd love for you to talk a bit more about what that means and and why that's so beneficial um alongside other forms of coaching Mm. So yes, soma means the body. So really in somatic coaching, we're, we're bringing the body into the conversation. And, um, and you know, much of, you know, many talking therapies, totally useful, really useful for us to get like a, an understanding of our story and to make sense of things, you know, and, and to be able to, to say things out loud and process them through talking. But we're so much more than just our minds and our thoughts mm. and, and language. And and actually, you know, our bodies, our hearts, our soul or spirit or whatever you want to call it is part of the whole experience. So if we're, if we're just at that thought and mindset level, we're missing out all this wisdom and information that's going on and intelligence in the body. So I, I like to liken it to you know, we're just scratching the surface, like I can explain something to you that's happened to me and I can, you know, talk that through on a conceptual level. But if you asked me to just close my eyes and take myself back to that place, you know, can you remember how it felt? Can you remember the sounds, the smells, the sights, who was there? You know, our memories are stored in our bodies. And, mm. and so, so when we work at that level, it's just really useful to um, to change things, not just with our thoughts, which can be useful, but to actually change things on a biological level because our our history, our beliefs, our memories, our trauma is all stored at the biological level. Yeah. You know, our bodies react far quicker than our minds. You know, and they send in information far more quickly. You know, from <laughs> sort of our gut through our heart up to our brain mm-hmm. that our brain is able to send back down so so yeah being able to work at that level just takes in the whole person and their whole experience really and you yeah. just get so much um so much more done yeah totally and that kind of you know our bodies respond and and kind of send us cues far more quickly than our minds is something that you know is really relatable when living with a chronic illness because physical symptoms will manifest and if we're kind of in the practice of tuning into okay why is that shown up you know what am I being told you know what do I need to take note of you know your body your body's done it and and then your mind's like oh yeah you know (laughs) and and just catching up and you know and then and then bringing in your mind also bringing in your body to as you know regulate your nervous system and and heal parts of you that may need you know give attention to parts of you that may need attention your history your present life whatever um I think that is just so important that we look at this whole picture and Mm -hmm. and not kind of separate you know different ways of of healing of therapy of coaching yeah absolutely 
we're relational beings, aren't we? We're interacting all the time with our environment. And, you know, even right now, even though we're on, on a screen, yeah. I'm picking up on your energy. You know, my, my body is, is interpreting, is this safe? You know, am I, am I feeling safe here? Am I feeling calm? Am I feeling relaxed? And we feed off each other. So, so I guess, um, yeah, in, in the coaching sense, it's, it's also about that interaction between the coach and the client as well and mm -hmm. creating that safety i mean safety is the, the foundation of everything you know we, right. we're not going to be able to heal or change anything unless we feel safe on a biological level and, and you know we know don't we we meet people or we we get a sense when we walk in a room you know the atmosphere we pick it up straight away even though we can't perhaps put it into words yet we're yeah. just mm, there's a funny vibe in you there's something's off or you meet someone and they're very nice and they're very pleasant <laughs> but your stomach is doing somersaults and you're like I don't know what it is I just I, I don't like this person but yeah. I should like them. they're very nice but <laughs> you know our bodies communicating with us and it could be they, they remind you of someone that you can't even remember on a conscious level but your body remembers it or you remember being in this situation before but you might not remember it consciously so you know the information is all down there it's all down in the body yeah what you just said there is you know without feeling safe we can't heal anything is like it's so important to recognize that because so much of the way we treat or heal or you know go about kind of essentially trying to get on with living uh and quote unquote normal life because there is no normal life and this kind of endeavor to live a normal life is a bit like moot it's just it just doesn't make sense to me um no. but what um i think is so ignored in particularly you know the way the kind of status quo approaches living with a chronic illness is is that safety element and and looking at what about my life what about my current experience what about my past experience has kind of created an unsafe environment for me and and whether that is something like your sense of self-worth your sense of self-esteem your the compassion you show towards yourself you know all of these things are perhaps a, like a pre-thing but also the very living with a chronic illness really lowers you know your sense of self-worth esteem and and so you're not safe and if we don't address kind of all of that peripheral well it's kind of seen as peripheral but really it's not it, it's quite core you know we can't expect to to you know heal to a level where we feel at peace with ourselves and our bodies mm, yeah absolutely yeah it is it, i can imagine how important that is when i guess for many people who are living with a chronic illness perhaps they've they've gone to so many places probably mm. to try and fix or cure it you know they've probably seen lots of professionals lots of lots of different places but often it's it's tapping into their own wisdom isn't it is there space exactly. for somebody who helps them to get to know themselves to get to tune into their own bodies you know like you were saying about becoming really aware and sensitive of the cycle you know the cycles of the seasons and then the yeah. cycle of you know maybe a menstrual cycle and then maybe the, the cycle of your own chronic illness as well mm. and that's like that information so valuable like nobody can know that can they only you only you live that every single exactly. day you're the only person that's been there the whole time of your life isn't it you're the only person that knows everything exactly and, and you know I love how you said you know working with someone who's getting helping you to get your to know yourself um because that information is all there but there can be such a, a kind of disconnect because for so many reasons, but you know, one that's coming to mind right now is we're taught not to trust ourselves. We're taught to seek external kind of validation or information this whole, you know, the whole time. And we're taught to, you know, the amount of things, even think about it, you know, on TV adverts, things being sold to you to like fix the, the broken parts of you so that, you know, your, 
I suppose a different person to who you actually are mm. and so much of I think the way we approach well way the mainstream approaches healing is I love what you said in one of your Instagram posts it's to become your best self but actually are we ignoring becoming our whole selves you know this whole like best self talk I actually really dislike it you know it's kind yeah. of what is it yeah what is it like I, I couldn't tell you what my best self was no I mean you know I don't know maybe when I'm on a holiday uh, maybe when I'm caffeinated <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't drink coffee before I came on here today because I thought oh god be too much I'll be jumping through the speed <laughs> the, the podcast listeners will have to turn down the speed on the, on the recording it was like oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah best self oh god I don't know yeah yeah I, I definitely think that I think that you know I, I say to people I am not interested in you know helping people to get anywhere I don't care what job they do, you know, I've tried very hard to have a really great niche and a really snappy <laughs> elevator pitch of I work with these people and they're this age and they do this and, and that. But but ultimately, I'm interested in people. Yeah, as, as you reminded me of, they're becoming their whole selves, becoming just having that self-acceptance. Can they mm. be with themselves even when they feel like a piece of shit? Or even when they think, oh, my God, I've messed up, I've done stuff wrong. Are they able to just not leave themselves? Are they, be able, are they able to stay with themselves and not abandon themselves? And, um, and I think that if we can really get to know ourselves and really trust ourselves, and dare I say, even like ourselves a little bit, <laughs> you know, it's hard. But I, I do think everything else comes from that everything starts to make more sense you know um yeah as you said we we're not taught to trust ourselves i mean innately we are born aren't we with that knowing the body you know right. babies they that's all they've got they don't have cognitive they don't have language all they've got are their senses to pick up mm. on what's safe what's not safe and then as we grow you know we're told to shut that down that intuition if you want to call it that, that intuition of knowing what you need like i spent so long i think in my 20s i didn't have a clue what i needed i didn't have a clue what i liked what i wanted um totally disconnected from my body i can remember starting mindfulness back you know 10 years ago and that they say oh you know feel your feet against the ground <laughs> and i was sitting there and i was thinking am i actually feeling my feet against the ground or am I thinking about my feet on the ground? Mm. I, I honestly don't think I could feel my feet against the ground. I, I don't. I, I was still in a thinking mode and not in a feeling mode. I was totally numb from my body. I completely shut that down. And it, it's been, you know, a, a decade or more's worth of work to really turn <laughs> into my body again and think, oh, I can feel things, you know, I can trust myself. Yeah, yeah, and that, oh, juicy, that disconnect and that difference between feeling and thinking, um, you know, when we are experiencing pain, that's like, A, we're kind of taught to, but B, it's, it, you know, this fear of pain and discomfort causes that shutdown, that immediate, like, nope, don't want to feel that, go away. You know, whether that's by taking a painkiller or, you know, taking a medication or, you know, losing yourself in something else, distracting yourself in scrolling or TV or whatever. You know, being taught that it's OK to sit with pain and like and, and discomfort helps teach us that it's OK to sit with our bodies all the time. Mm. And when you talked about kind of you know you tried you tried so hard to get an, a snappy elevator pitch and you know I'm the same yeah, <laughs> yeah. like how do how do we communicate like what we do so that it's understood and in this world where actually it's quite a radical way of thinking yeah hmm <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on that one yeah yeah I, I, 
Absolutely, it, it, it is. It's, it is a radical way of thinking. And I think sometimes I forget. Um, you forget what you know and you forget what other people don't know. So I make lots of assumptions sometimes that mm -hmm. people understand the things that I understand. And, and I do think the conversation is getting out there a bit more. I mean, you know, um, I was talking to, as I say, the, the friend I was interviewing on the podcast last week, and we were talking about mental health and how, um, you know, that conversation is, is quite backwards now, the, the term mental health, you know, we're so much more than our minds. If we think about something like anxiety, yeah. how you can call that a mental health problem just doesn't make any sense to me because it's not just in our just, thoughts. No. You know, it's anxiety really is a manifestation, it's a symptom of yeah. what's going on underneath in the body, in the, you know, in, in the gut, in the memory, in the you know, trauma and the wounds, all of that. It's a whole body experience, isn't it? So so I think, yeah, how do we communicate that to people? I think, you know, when I give an example of anxiety, anyone who's experienced anxiety will know that when they, your heart is racing, <laughs> you've got thoughts about the anxiety, but actually it's a full body experience. And I think yeah. people know when you say that to them, they're like, oh, <laughs> my body knows this yes you know i felt like that but when i learned you know when i did my somatics training it's almost like my head didn't decide for me to do it my body knew it was mm. the right thing to do because it it was like of course and and everything i was learning i felt like i feel like i already know this i've known it before because it's <laughs> there it's in my body so i think that if we get past all the the jargon and the layers of like you say, being your best self and and all of that and get down to the nitty gritty of, you know, that feeling of of just feeling safe and comfortable in your own skin. You know, imagine what that would feel like if when you were making a decision that you could trust yourself and you didn't feel the need to ask everybody else about what to do. Um, and I, I guess I'd like to speak to people who of being, you know, resilience is something that we hear a lot about. And, and I like to think that the people that come to me are already incredibly resilient. You know, they usually okay. have been through a lot already. You know, they do, definitely don't need to build their resilience. They're super resilient already. And they actually need to allow themselves to, to shine and, and to experience that joy and that pleasure and to, to see that lighter side of life. Um, so yeah, I don't have an answer, <laughs> is the answer. I don't no. have the answer of, yeah, how do we get people to understand it? Mm. But that was beautiful. Everything you just said, it kind of, it, it sends, you know, shivers down my body because it's like, that is life. That is like the beauty of life. And, and if, you know, we can experience that, it's like, I sound really evangelical, <laughs> you know, and a bit like, oh, but actually, the fee the way I feel that within my body you know going back to this it's it's not something I know in my head I I feel it within my body and trying to com communicate how I feel within my body and how I know others can feel within their body I can't put that into words mm. like there aren't the words no no it's beyond words yeah yeah and so much of our life is an experience isn't it it isn't it isn't what we say it's how we feel isn't it life is like just one experience after another, you know, it, one of my, I guess I do have a bit of a snappy line. I, I create experiences that bring mm. people to life mm. because, you know, when someone comes and has coaching with me, it's an experience, you know, we're on an exploration together. Like I'm not pretending that I know what they should do because I really don't. Like, I've got to figure out my own life <laughs> and what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got the, you know, I've got the skills to hold that space, to hold that container. That, that I guess they probably don't get anywhere else because we don't do we in day-to-day -day life. We, even the people who love us and who are well-meaning, you know, they, they've got an agenda, haven't they? They want what's best right. for us and they know what's <laughs> best for us. And, and that's lovely and we need that as well. And we need someone to say, oh yeah, I understand. I did, I did this and I did this and that's great. You know, that's part of community. But we do also need that space where someone completely trusts you, you know, and, 
knows that, that you can do this, even if you don't yet, yes. <laughs> you know, but they're, they're there with you saying, no, I, I absolutely know, because I know well, you've survived, you've got this yes. far, you're a grown adult, you know, doing all the things that you do, so you've got this far, so you can absolutely figure out the next step. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and figuring out that next step is in a way that feels good. Like, I think is is so much of the, the work that we do as coaches, because as you say, like people, they are resilient and, and you know, especially perhaps the people that you and I work with have got an extra layer of resilience and but it might have felt like a big uphill struggle you know to date and okay how can you now move forward in life where it just feels it doesn't feel like an uphill struggle of course there will be struggle but your way to sit with that and accept that and and be with that and know that it's okay and feel safe within the struggle yes oh yes and that it's that paradox again isn't it mm. like we if we've always known struggle allowing things to be easeful or as you say that pleasure that joy takes some work which sounds weird doesn't it <laughs> yeah it makes something feel easy <laughs> um, yeah. yeah but but it is you know if we've always known struggle or things have been really hard then yeah we're like a bit suspicious a bit skeptical of something being easy how how could that possibly be easy? You know, I, when my word I think for last year was ease. Yes. Oh, that's mine for this year. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ease. You know, it's it's lovely, but it's it's really hard. You know, everything in you goes. Hang on a sec. Can't be that easy. You know, why should I allow my work to be easeful? Why should I allow, you know, my my exercise to be easeful? You know, change <gasps> things. Now, where I, I was going running, and um, and I love running. I do love the experience of coming back and full of endorphins and like that good sweat. But my I've been running for the last you know decade or so, and now my body's decided, no, nope, we don't like this anymore. My hips hurting, my lower back's hurting. I need yeah. to do something different. And I'm in a process now of finding exercise that is fun, and yeah, you know, yeah I want to have that sweat and I want to have the challenge. But I want want it to be easeful. I want it to be playful as well, you know. I want it to be non-linear because running is really rigid, and I yeah. want to do some dance or some free movement or something like that, you know. But yeah, that it hasn't got to be just a slog. Right, I am totally with you on that. And actually, funnily enough, I'm doing a bit of the reverse in a running sense. Like I've, I'm not. I don't like running. Like. It's just not something for me. However, I love walking and I love kind of, you know, what some people would call hiking, but I always feel like a bit of a, now that's a walk, come on, <laughs> you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not been long, it's, you know, but maybe I can call it a hike, I don't know. But I've recently bought a pair of shoes that will allow me to run a bit, walk a bit, climb a bit, sit a bit, you know, on these kind of times that I, you know, I'm in kind of the woods or wherever. Um, I've always really admire, admired like the way that trail running seems to feel and you know I've always thought you know I think I'd quite like that but you know allowing that playfulness and for you to create your own little version of what exercise or movement looks like to you um, and not feel like right I've been you know it's a prescribed kind of like Thing. Yeah. You know, I've got to run 5k or I've got to yeah. have my heart rate at this or whatever um, yeah. and, and going back to what you said about that uh, you know this kind of like the, the easeful life feeling a bit uncertain and a bit weird and a bit scary mm. I have noticed myself recently because I've created a lot of space in my winter but I've noticed myself in this space almost seeking something to make me feel a bit like struggle or a bit <laughs> you know, it's like adding this weird pace and I, it's like, I was sat on my sofa and the sun was streaming and I thought do you know this is lovely oh I'm just going to check on my phone 
Why? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, luckily, I've kind of worked in, in you know, a uh, practice of actually being able to see that happen as it's happening, you know, yeah. and you no, know, just sit and enjoy the sun like a dog yeah. bathing, you know, through the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know, something uh, else you've talked about on Instagram is like anxiety as a distraction and kind of, you know, that's the place we know. And I think that translates to a lot of things, you know, struggle as a distraction Mm -hmm. from just feeling how we feel right now. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It's it's almost like the the first thing we experience is the headline. I always think it's the top line. Yeah. It's never the, the thing's never the thing. <laughs> you know, so we all go, we come to coaching, we're like, yeah, what well, I want help with this. We're like, it's probably not going to be that because that's just how it's manifested. It's just, that's the top layer, the symptom, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, with something like anxiety, I think that often underneath it, it anxiety is can be a result of like a resistance or a struggle or a conflict that's going on within us. Um, if I think about all my anxiety that started really bubbling up in my 20s, underneath that was deep sadness and loss, mm-hmm. you know, that I wouldn't allow myself to feel or that I didn't perhaps think was was justified. I wasn't allowed to feel it. And so the struggle within ourselves, I think, that inner conflict can cause anxiety or maybe anger. You know, I think sadness and anger are two emotions that are quite... Um, we don't always know what to do with them. We're not very good at publicly. I mean, if you think about grief, you know, grief, you know, covers a lot of, there's always sadness, anger, there's lots of mixed emotions within mm. grief. But, but yeah, I don't think they're almost acceptable emotions to right. display then or express with others or publicly. Mm-hmm. So I think that often we're sitting on a lot of that and then it comes up as anxiety because we've got this, yeah, I guess there's a yeah an internal conflict within us. So so yeah, sometimes I think that if we look underneath the anxiety, often there's other things going on there. Right, right, and and not yeah these these kind of less acceptable emotions. Um, that's so interesting. And I actually think like uh, how you said, you know, am I allowed to feel that way? Like so much of I think the suppressing of emotions is like, am I am I justified in feeling that way? Or, oh no, that person, oh, it's something I've noticed, you know, a lot recently is kind of the minimizing of how we feel, whether it's by like saying something like, oh, first world problem, or, oh, but that person's got it so much worse than me. Yes, people do have it so much worse than you, but you are also allowed to feel really yeah. sad or angry or stressed about what's going on in your life right now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, why do we feel this need to kind of be presentable and be, Mm. you know, and linking back to that toxic positivity we discussed right at the beginning, you know, why do we feel the need to say we're coping? Why do we feel the need to, like, you know, present like we've got it all figured out all the time? Mm. Um, And that's been the journey for me, you know, like, allowing myself to be like do you know what I don't have it figured out or especially with you know back in the earlier days of kind of the adult phase of my chronic illness like pretending that I I was on top of it don't worry I've got it you know you don't need to and I always used to excuse myself when I went in a, into a room with people you know like oh my my skin's bad today uh, but don't worry I've, I'm on top of it I'm cool I've got it you don't need to like just in case you were thinking it, you know, preempting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? This this idea that we've got to have it all figured out. And it's so like, you know, I've done so much work with young people. And that's one of the things I've always said to them is that you, you think that you'll get to an age where <laughs> you've got it all figured out. And you're young now and you probably look at me and you look at other adults and you think, oh, that's an adult they're adulting and um, yeah. and actually we're all just pretending why don't we just like the game I think Glenn and Doyle talks about it don't she the, the jig is up like yes. let's just give it all up <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all you know it's all a pretense and um and yeah this idea that 
Like, I know that you haven't got it sorted and you know I haven't because we're right. human. And this idea that, um, yeah, that we all think that we're really special and unique and that our emotions, you know, my anxiety or my anger, oh my God, you know, it's so shameful. And, you know, all my feelings, they're mine, but they're not, they're, they're universal. Yes, we've all got our own unique circumstances and history and that, you know, and, and our brilliance and our uniqueness, but actually we're not all that different either. I think that we forget sometimes that everyone experiences these emotions, you know, even the horrible ones like shame and jealousy, and envy, right. and like the ones that you didn't show, you know, that you've got <laughs> inside of you. But we all experience it. And I think that that's what makes us that common humanity, isn't it? I think that's what's perhaps missing at the moment. I think a lot of a source of our suffering is that lack of, you know, community and really seeing each other yeah. and just as we are. Yeah. Community is something that has I've always got a sense is, is really like important and key for you in kind of the different the different work that you've done over the years that I've known you. Um and obviously with you know the pandemic and the lockdowns, like community, that sense of community, in-person community especially, has suffered. Um and how has that kind of I mean, am I right in assuming, first of all, that community is something is like one of your things? Well, definitely. I think it's something that I I struggle to know sometimes how to create it, um, particularly at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like before before the pandemic, you know, I would um, I had a, a side project called Soulful Sunrise where we used to have a morning dance party and you know, we'd get together and we'd mm. go to a cafe in Cardiff and we'd have a DJ at 6am and we'd have yoga and breakfast and all of that. And it was that idea of, you know, starting the day with um, with some joy, you know, not postponing our happiness, doing it before work rather than waiting. Mm. Um, and obviously that's been on pause now with not being able to get together in person. So that's sleeping at the moment and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to... Um, yeah, how to reignite that and how to bring that back together. But um, but yeah, community is something that, you know, as an adult, you go through life and obviously being self-employed, you have to almost create a community from scratch because you don't go into yeah. an office, you don't get a team of people, it's just me. And as much as I really enjoy being in my own company, I think I've realised definitely over the last two years that I, I need people, you know, I do need people more than I maybe realised before and um, and yeah so I'm enjoying now trying to book in you know just meeting up with people for coffee mm-hmm. and trying to bring people together but um, but yeah I think that I think going forward I feel hopeful that we are craving it you know we are longing for it I feel it inside of me yeah and, and it's, and it's also the, the other side of that is that we fear it as well you know we fear mm-hmm. being vulnerable you know, I think my little dance with community or with connection, I guess we could say, is that, you know, be allowing yourself to be in communities, allowing yourself to be vulnerable as well and allowing yourself to be seen. So we've got this, you know, this double double edge of it, especially at the moment, you know, with all the fear that's around about how are we allowed to do things? Are we allowed to meet up? You know, there's a lot of, still a lot of fear around, isn't it, in, in society at the moment? Absolutely. Yeah. And again, that kind of comes back to this, like, you know, paradoxical kind of existence that we, you know, that we live in. It's everywhere. But also, again, trusting ourselves and trusting, you know, have we lost so much self-trust over this past two years? Mm -hmm. Because obviously, you know, we've been going through a complete unknown and something which is you know big and and scary and is you know we are putting our faith in the experts um but on the flip side of that how has that bled into other areas of our life with kind of mm. self-trust with with knowing like how do I feel about hugging a person when I see them how yeah. do I feel about standing close to a person when I see them and mm. 
yeah, I think like, you know, as people keep saying, like the fallout of this is is going to be again so big and and going back to that idea that like you know ignoring all this stuff that we view as being on the peripheral but is actually at the core of how we are going to move forward and paying attention to things like how has this affected my self-trust paying attention to all of these things that help us feel safe yeah absolutely yeah it's that safety isn't it again you know our world's been shaken and so we have to try and find safety within ourselves and safety within the people around us and, and you know coming together with people that allow us to feel safe when we're with them so i yeah. think you know the work that, that we're both doing around helping people to regulate themselves to trust themselves and to feel safe we just need more regulated safe <laughs> trusting people in the world right now yeah yes yeah absolutely and and like the ripple effect of that I always get very excited about like ripple effect of mm-hmm. of this work because like actually what kind of world are we living in when people are feeling rested and safe and and settled and at peace with themselves like yeah. what does that world look like mm. bloody brilliant you know yes absolutely and it's that and that's the work isn't it you know it sounds easy it's like yeah it should be easy to rest our bodies know how to do it <laughs> our bodies know what they need but the world, unfortunately, is not conducive to that, is it? That the environment we live in is not conducive. So unless we are actively, intentionally making that a priority, it is not going to happen. You know, I say to people, if you leave it a chance, you're just going to get swept away by the world. It will just take you and make you into whatever it wants to make you. So unless we you know, come back to ourselves again and again yeah. and create that the conditions for it to happen, then, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, Leah, it's been so wonderful talking to you today. I would love to know, just to kind of round it off, how do you come back to yourself and, and instill that safety and that rest? Like, what are your favourite things to help you do that? Music, nature, dogs. so i get myself outside and yeah all the stuff we talked about earlier you know connecting to the environment with the senses there's something within me that when i'm in nature when i see trees and i hear birds and i feel the wind there is something about it that reminds me i'm part of something bigger i always feel safe if i'm in a forest it's like Mm. it it you know it yeah well it's that thing of sending safety signals to my body my dog uh, um you know make no secret of it I prefer dogs to people my dog definitely makes me feel safe inside <laughs> and um and i do love music i find music really evocative so yeah house music have a dance go in the garage knock the lights off have a boogie that you know sets my world on fire <laughs> amazing and you often have dances with your dog i i've seen yeah. and i love that yes. i love that <laughs> oh thank you so much and where can people find you to view and and take in all of your wonderful words and wisdom the only place you'll find me on social media is instagram at leah sean davis and um and yeah i've got my podcast the Leah Sean Davis podcast hmm. and um, and yet my website is leahshandavis.co.uk and that's how you find out about my coaching experiences and all the stuff I can do. Well thank you Leah and something I think is worth repeating something Leah said safety is the foundation of everything we're not going to be able to heal or change anything unless we feel safe on a biological level. And that kind of like harks back to that, you know, what would this world look like if we all felt safe on a biological level? You can find all of Leah's links in the show notes. And if you want to join the conversation of reframing your chronic illness on a more regular basis, and when this podcast is on season breaks, I'd love to welcome you to my newsletter. You can find the link in the show notes or by heading to alanaholloway.com. Oh, and whilst you're here, I'd love for you to take a minute to rate, review and share this podcast. As you've probably guessed by my ramblings, this way of thinking about chronic illness isn't the norm, but I want it to be. I want more people to be freed from the chronic illness struggle. And the way we make that happen is by sharing. 
something the algorithm, which is dictated by rates and reviews, is fantastic at doing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Bringing on board the right kind of support can be the missing piece of the puzzle that so many of us don't realize we actually need. What would you do if you had the most epic support squad by your side? What would that unleash in you and what would it make possible for you in your life? If you're wondering how to start figuring that out, if you've got no idea where to start, I've got the perfect thing for you. My quiz, are you more Michelle, Gaga or Mindy? And what would their support squad unleash in you is now live. You can find the link to it in the show notes and in the bio. Don't wait another moment. Hop on over to the quiz to find out who you're channeling now.